The Athletic. FA Cup progress at Swindon and half the team isolated, including Guardiola and his assistant. A comfortable weekend, all told. So we're taking this opportunity to focus in depth on how Guardiola's developed his side over the past few seasons. This is your Manchester City podcast from The Athletic. I'm David Mooney. With me is Sam Lee. Hello. How are you doing, Sam? Yeah, I'm good. I just realised in the nick of time I was speaking previously into the back of the microphone. Um, if I had have had a quicker thinking brain, I wouldn't have mentioned that at all. But yes, I'm fine. Um, yeah, the Swindon, Swindon game was good. Um, looking forward to getting out of COVID isolation and Chelsea game next week. So good, good. You'll be, you'll be out in time for that, though, so that's all right. Big time, yeah, yeah. Yeah, excellent. Uh, we've got a special guest for today's show as well, known on Twitter as Man City Tactics. We'd like to introduce Jim. Hiya, Jim. Hello, that's you okay? Not too bad, thanks. How are you doing? Yeah, all good. Still buzzing after Swindon. It was a uh, Cole Palmer show. <laughs> well, we'll, 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 have a, we'll have a bit of a chat about that and then we'll get into some tactics talk. So uh, let's do that. If you sign up to The Athletic right now, you can read all of Sam's stuff on City. And if you sign up, you'll get 33% off the price of a full subscription. Just go to theathletic.com forward slash Man City pod. Um, as Jim said there, Sam, uh, Cole Palmer show at Swindon, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Um, well, the interview or the performance? A bit of both. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, it was, it was good, wasn't it? Because obviously with the team... Because of the COVID, everyone was kind of expecting the team's going to be properly decimated. Um, and because if it's a lower league team, you'd, the general assumption for City over the teams is that there'll be a load of young players. But obviously he picked a strong team and it surprised everyone. But if you go back to like a couple of years ago, these were still the kind of games where it would be a strong team and then Foden would play as well. And now Palmer's got that role of like designated youngster, hasn't he? And Foden, when he played, he looked right at home and he was either scoring or assisting or just, you know, looking as part of the team. Because, like, De Bruyne didn't score or assist the other night. Yeah. Maybe it's just actually. But, like, he still, he was still there, wasn't he? He was part of the team, fitting, didn't look, didn't stick out. And that was what Foden did in the early days. And, obviously, now he's grown and grown. And I think that's what Palmer's doing. And that was, obviously, more so the case the other night. I think the challenge now is, obviously, to get in the team more often, but that's not necessarily down to him. Not 100% anyway. And I think the other thing as well is just against you know, higher quality opposition. Because, you know, if he was to play against Swindon in in the John's Trophy, you'd expect him to score, even, you know, even in the City under-21s team. So um, that's that's the next thing, just do it against bigger and better opposition. But he's doing everything he can right now to make sure he will get those opportunities. And, you know, yeah. the, the draw for the FA Cup, we'll see what that brings. If that's a home game against a championship team or even uh, another Premier League team that's not one of the big ones, he or maybe even if it is, he... he probably starting that so yeah. yeah I mean Jim the the, the thing with uh, with the performance I was thinking all the way through it it just needs a goal it just needs a goal then he goes then he goes and does that at the end <laughs> yeah great finish it's like he, we obviously know he's like he's technically really good and he, he's like a bit of a playmaker but seeing, seeing him on the wing and just the stuff that he can do like he can go in behind he was making runs in behind he can go on his right foot like we saw for the first goal obviously his trademark is like he's really dangerous when he cuts inside onto his left so yeah, all the signs were really positive, I thought. It's like, not just the performance, but the stuff he was trying. Yeah, Sam, you're talking about goals. Um, I mean, he, he himself says, uh, was it Prem soon come? Prem soon come, yeah. So it'll be, yeah, it'll be there soon, won't it? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, he is much more direct than all the other players, isn't he, really? Maybe not so much. I think maybe he's even more direct than Foden in terms of looking to get shots away. Uh, that was something that really stood out to me in terms of him in the first team. 
when he was when he was coming in, you know, for the the Champions League game when he scored there, and he'd obviously played again. He came on against Wickham and got that good goal, didn't he? And even in the other games when he wasn't scoring, it's like yeah, he's he's looking for the shot more than most of the the other players. And back then, September October time, it was you know Guardiola was still saying they lack goals. We had said it recently, so you think, oh, what 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 can change in this team for that? And yeah, he's he's definitely got that eye for going for for a shot fairly early earlier than the others. So yeah, Prem Prem will soon come. He says <laughs> he says hopefully. And the th- I mean, the thing is, if he were to play in the next three games, there'd be a really high chance that he'd score. But the thing is, he probably won't play in the next three games. Yeah, so it won't come that soon. But as soon as he gets the opportunity, I'm, I'm sure he, I'm sure he will do. Yeah, Jim, the, the other um, performer I want to talk about is uh, James McAtee because he came on uh, in the second half. I, I'm I'm intrigued, actually, because he, he tweeted after the game, um, happy to get more minutes tonight, not the best performance on my behalf, but there's more to come. And I can't help but think that's, that's a little bit harsh on himself for a man who's not made that many senior appearances to come on for 30 minutes of an FA Cup tie and look kind of at home. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's like the Willie Wonky situation eh, with the contracts. It's like, I don't think I've ever known a contract to be more disgusted of a player who's never actually started. <laughs> but, you know, it's like, that's how, how big a talent he is. And, you know, obviously, from rumours that you hear, it's United and Liverpool are circling. So that could be the worst of situations. But yeah. I've he, heard that. United and Liverpool. Yeah, I've only heard that on Twitter, I think, Sam. But <laughs> I'm not in the know. No, I don't know. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I thought his performance was, was fine. You know, was, that shot that he had, if that had gone in, you know, the one where he settled from the, was it from the corner. Yeah, his technique, his technique was really good, but he just just caught it a bit too heavy. But yeah, he's he's obviously like technically superb, isn't he? It's like the sulfur silver, but he's yeah, he's going to have better performances. But there was no problem. Yeah, he was probably expecting to do what he does in the under twenty threes games. Wasn't yeah, he? he was absolutely. probably expected to score. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So anything less than that, I'm sure he was. I'm sure he was disappointed. But that's like he's so desperate to play and get an opportunity. Obviously, he didn't get one against Leipzig. He was probably thinking right. Even though it was just half an hour on on Friday night, he was probably thinking, "Right, I can really, I can really go for this now." Um, but it didn't do it to his standard. But it was still fine, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. We've got to get to the point as well where these teams are announced and everybody's not shocked by how strong he is. <laughs> it's like he goes his strong teams pretty much all the time, doesn't he? You know, it's not. You see teams on Twitter like the day before, like say, "Oh, I'm Betty McAtee." It's not going to happen. <laughs> Yeah, and Sam, I was going to ask about uh, the McAtee contract situation. Has there been any change? Do you know? No, um, but that's because it kind of depends on these opportunities. You know, if the Leipzig game, if it had started in Leipzig for argument's sake, you know, we've gone through all the reasons that he didn't in the past. Um, if it started that, then maybe be like, all right, okay, yeah, um, come on, then let's crack on, let's get pen to paper. But obviously, that didn't happen, so it was kind of let's let's just wait and see. Obviously, he got half an hour against Swindon, so. Um, that that will help in any kind of discussions, but I mean, he he really does want to play, and he really does want to play for City but at the moment. You know, an option might be, can I go on loan now, and then when I come back in the summer, will I be around the first team? And if they say yes and yes, then it'll be like, okay, let, let's crack on. But yeah, but you know, but the, but the thing is, it might not be yes and yes. It might be well, we'll see what's happening in the summer. You know, we're going to sign this guy, we're going to sign this guy. We don't know, and then you know if he if he thinks oh, I'm not going to get the opportunity, then it'll be harder. So that that's the situation, really. It's not it's not like there's just some kind of it's not like a standoff or anything like that. It's just a I don't know, just 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 make sure the the right decisions made. I, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And so just yeah, what... it's one of those where I'm sure people want it to be resolved and signed as soon as possible. But I mean, look now we'll we'll see 
later on Sunday afternoon, obviously we're recording before, but before the draw, you know, if City do get, let's just say like a winnable tie, then he might be thinking, okay, we'll stick around for that. But obviously it's also the, the transfer window. So if they end up playing like Chelsea away, then he might be like, well, okay, well, it's not going to happen. Let's try and sort out a loan. And then if it's a loan, then it's okay, well, you sign a new contract, you go out on loan and take it from there. So yeah, it, like a lot, not a lot, a lot depends on the draw, but the draw will have some say and then it'll, it'll be kind of taken from there really. But I'd, I'd, I suppose by the end of the month, there'll be something, not necessarily news, because if he doesn't go on loan and nothing happens and he won't know about it, but if there's no news, for argument's sake, it could be bad news, do you know what I mean? But by yeah. the end of January, there will be some kind of developments behind the scenes, I would imagine, because like yeah, like I say, that, that loan, that's the that's the best kind of window to do it. And that's that's something he'd be really interested in. Yeah. Um, another quick word on Sterling as well, Sam, um, because there's been reports this weekend he's a bit closer to signing a deal. Yeah, I mean, I must admit, I don't know on that one. Um, I feel it was about a year ago. I was saying I don't know on everything. Recently, it's been a bit. It's been a bit better. Um, but on Sterling, no, I'm not sure. But the funny thing is, there's there's somebody who, who works for him in like PR, I think. And there was a tweet on from from her account on Friday night at half eleven. And obviously, it could have been about anything. But she was like, "It's amazing the amount of exclusives you'll see these days with no checking whatsoever, and basically like wrong info." And you think if that's Ster- if that's about Sterling, then not only is the story not right but the story is the opposite you know he does want to go so that that's a little interesting one if that tweet is related to sterling and you know it would be about an hour after the story came out and the previous tweets were about sterling on radio 4 and stuff um so yeah that's interesting but i don't i mean i don't know what i would have said was the story strikes me is it certainly could be true um because obviously how it's framed it's it's not just oh there was a bit of a standoff and now now he's going to sign it it was he wanted to go. Now he's changed his mind and he'll stay. That's you know that that if true is a big story, but it's also the situation. You know he would have been very happy to leave, and City had said the same. You know if you want to go, bring us a good offer. Um, but yeah, so I don't I don't know. But I did always think, well, if he gets back in the team and he's playing regularly and he's playing well, then it's easy to imagine him staying. That's obviously what was reported. Um, yeah, there seems to be some some doubt about it, and you know if I can shed any light on it soon, then I then I will. Yeah. Um, Jim, just on Sterling, uh, before we move on quickly, it's it's interesting, isn't it, I think, that um, we were talking at the start of the season about how City were struggling for goals at various times. Uh, December, they were they were banging them in like God knows what. Um, Sterling comes back into the team and is in form. And it's, it, seems to be, it, it seems to be too much of a coincidence, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, he's back in and he's back playing well. And, you know, I think with Sterling, he's, he's judging his output, isn't he? You know, it's like it, last season... The, the goal's dried up and, you know, he's not going to particularly play make. He's like, he's just basically purely on his goals and assists. And, oh, you know, there's no one better at it in, in the squad at the moment than if you can farm. Yeah. So, yeah, it's good to see him back. Yeah. Sam, I want to read this just before we move on. Um, this was uh, a quote from Virgil van Dijk this week. Um, City got through the month of December particularly well. They had a few injuries and few corona cases, and that helps enormously. A small example is that me, Fabinho and Thiago all tested positive for COVID at the same time. Three players who import, who are important to the team. A big club like Liverpool still has good quality players, but the rhythm and dynamics of the team changes at such a time. There are still so many games left to play, but you also need a little bit of luck at this stage. Um mm-hmm. 
it, it feels like a very big gear change to the narrative because, um, as we talked about on last week, I think it was last week's show, the City had um, a, a fair few COVID cases. There were talk ahead of this game about um, a, a big crisis at City with COVID cases, um, and they've had injuries as well. So, I mean, it's mm. it, it, I, I don't see where it's coming from. I know, like like I've said before, with a lot of this stuff, it's just some dickhead on the internet. It's best ignored. Um, but obviously, when it's some dickhead, no, it's he, you know he played play, guy plays centre back. No, I, I I love Van Dijk. I think he's fantastic as a player. I think he's phenomenal. Um, but yeah, this I mean, this is why I wrote that article last week. And you know, there was some you know there was a lot of people who didn't support City who were like, oh, you want us to feel sorry for him? Why are you writing this? And I was like, oh, I literally just want to put on record that they have had COVID cases, just because last year. You know, when Klopp said they had a two-week break at Christmas, that wasn't true. And now it's the same kind of thing. So now if Van Dyke's saying this kind of thing, and look, I, I really do hate the tribal stuff and anything that even, even if it's true, you know, even if, if I went on Twitter and said Van Dyke's wrong about this, blah, 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 I, it's just contributing to this kind of tribal spiral that everyone's involved in these days. But I mean, we just all know. All right, I'm sorry what, I asked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's not. Yeah, but it's not. Just, it's, I mean, look on a podcast, you can discuss it. It's fine, but as soon as you tweet, it's just oh well. This guy's a Man City correspondent. He's tweeting pro City stuff and anti City stuff, uh, anti Liverpool stuff. It's it's like well, it's just it's just true. But anyway, yeah, it's. I mean, we just know it. We know it's not true. And also the fact that he's kind of included Thiago in that is like well, you could say. I'm trying to think who had COVID for City over Christmas that is on about a level as Thiago. But do you know what? It's like saying what well, was Zinchenko had it. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. he's, he's obviously a good player and he's important to the team when he plays, but don't don't give me this vital players have had it kind of thing. With with Van Dijk and Fabinho, I completely get it. Um but if you start chucking in Thiago, you're on dodgy ground because like he's obviously a good player, but he's not integral to them. In the same way that Zinchenko's a great player, but he's not he's not integral to to City because they've got other options. Um, it's just not it's just not true. But then th- this is obviously the kind of thing now that gets ramped up. But also, you know, it gets ramped up a bit because I've seen other headlines about it this morning. They're saying like Van Dijk says City are lucky, and it's like he talks about there being a bit of luck. It's slightly different. It, yeah, you, you know, you read a headline with lucky in it, you're already pissed off before you get to even what he said. Do you know what I mean? Like it's so it's it's all just it's all stupid. The whole thing's stupid. But he's just he's just wrong, and he like. And that's the thing he said. There's they had few positives, not a few, because a few suggests a decent number, doesn't it? But few suggests one or two. But you know, in in reality, cities cities cases were kind of as important. You know, you couldn't say Carl Walker is any less important to City than Thiago is to Liverpool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, and Rodri is well, obviously Rodri as well. Rodri, you would probably say is the Fabinho of of City if you in, in this context. You know what I mean? So it's just wrong, isn't it? But obviously, these are the things that will be allowed to run and run and obviously because City had seven cases the other night but still put out that amazing team forget the fact that they had seven teenagers on the bench people see the starting 11 go oh well you know they're not affected by it blah 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 but they're not affected because they've had one game in in this two week period you know if if, if they've had these amount of cases a month ago then it would have been completely different just one thing on this which hasn't really been said but a lot of the games that were called off um, over Christmas were because unvaccinated players you know if you're a close contact you've got to isolate but obviously if you're vaccinated you don't have to um and i think i've said previously that as far as i know his vaccination rate is pretty good so they haven't got a load of players you need to go and isolate whereas at other clubs they've probably got more because the rate's so low generally in football and in the premier league yeah probably got more players who are close contacts and had to isolate even though they haven't got it and you think well city's good covid vaccination rate there is obviously a good thing 
And I think everyone would say, well, apart from the anti-factors, everyone would say that. And you know, they've benefited from not having to have players isolate, but that's a good thing. Yeah. You know, if, if, I, you're, I, I, if yeah. you're unvaccinated, then they've had to isolate and you've had game, games off, then that's that's on them as well. So yeah, it's that's, Novak that's, Djokovic for football, isn't it? That's the thing. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, I, I, I did tweet about this last night and, uh, and yeah, it was like a grenade going off in Homer mentions, but uh, yeah, it's just not, it's <laughs> to, not worth to, it, is it? To be expected. But I just think on a like, broader point, the amount of like times that Klopp and now Van Dijk and stuff are mm. mentioning City in their press conferences and stuff, it's like, it's like psychologically. I don't think that can be good for the mentality of the team and stuff. It's like, Guardiola's just, he's basically got on with it, hasn't he? You know, it's like, he said, yeah, we've got all these players out, but, you know, we'll get on with it, we'll, we'll move on to the next game. Whereas there's the amount of, like, I don't know, it's just moaning, isn't it? It's just some clop, especially. City are doing this, City aren't affected. It's like, it seems like an inferiority complex sometimes. It's just like, I just don't see how psychologically that makes it any better for, like, for their players. Yeah, it's an interesting point. I commented on my article last week. He was like, why do you keep mentioning Klopp? I was like, well, look, in the article, I've mentioned Klopp and Tuchel in the sense that they've talked about their own situations and Tuchel said Chelsea's situation was unfair. And I was like, "That he's not had to go at Liverpool. He's not had to go at City. He's not brought City up. But, you know, if he's talking about it being unfair all the while, there's no noise around City. That helps to create the point that the City have been fine with it when they haven't. So I mentioned Klopp in that sense, even though, you know, he'd obviously said that, you know, they've got a big squad so they can cope with it, which isn't the end of the world. But then some commenter was like, oh, what's, what's all this about? And I was like, well, if you remember last year, the Klopp said City had a two-week break, which wasn't true. So I'm just kind of just putting on the record that, you know, these things do exist. And this 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 guy replied, he was like, why do you keep mentioning Klopp? I was like, because it's relevant. I was like, because Klopp. <laughs> I was like, you can, I mean, you can talk about, because some, some guy in the comments was like, oh, it's like a straw man argument. I was like, I can see why you think that, because I've not gone specific with the, with the examples, but like, I actually like embedded a tweet from Bleacher Report that my editor obviously took out, which is fine. And I didn't want to go down the Klopp route because I didn't want it to look like a tribal article. I just wanted it to be, this is what's going on at City. You can fucking take from it what you want. So when when he was like, it's a straw man, I go, I was like, I was not, these are the examples. Then the guy was like, why are you mentioning Klopp? I was like, because Klopp's the one who's, who talks about City quite often. Last season was worse. The two-week break thing was more obvious. This season, the, the video that everyone hated the other week when he said, City can cope with it. And that's not the end of the world. He, he's he's kind of right in the sense that the cases they have had, they have been able to cope with it. You know, the other night they were able to cope with it, albeit because it's a light fixture list. That's not the end of the world. But you're right. The more you mention it, and again, the more now Van Dijk's mentioned it, it does make you think they haven't got the they haven't got that mentality maybe to look at themselves, which they should have because they're obviously a strong group of players that's capable of doing unbelievable things. Like we saw with that past thing. Mentality yeah, monster, it, it, yeah, exactly. Yeah, like you, you shouldn't, you shouldn't be asked, should you? But yeah. I mean, I mean, look, maybe, maybe it's just Van Dyke was asked a question and and he gave his answer. But the whole, it goes back to the original point. This perception is that City haven't had cases, and they have, and they have had important cases. And again, if we're using the Tiago Barometer, then they've definitely had important cases. I, I uh, just like people to decide whether it's suspicious if City are having games called off, or if it's suspicious yeah, exactly. that they're having games played, because it can't be both. And yet here exactly. we are. And there was things that there was again. This is just like some dickhead on the internet stuff. But there were people the other day saying, "Oh, it's suspicious now that they had no co- no cases over Christmas," which is not true. And now they've got loads afterwards. It's like what? What do you mean? Like <laughs> they, what? They just they purposely weren't catching it over Christmas, which you can't do unless you just <laughs> well. What it does it doesn't make any sense at all unless obviously the um, the inference is sorry the implication is um, they've just been ignoring negative tests. And then saying we're all negative now, like, but why would you even do it if you were doing that? Why would you have them all miss out for it? It's just mad. It doesn't make yeah. any sense whatsoever. 
That's not what we're here to talk about anyway. anyway we we didn't we didn't get yeah, we didn't get Jim on to talk about all this. So let's uh, let's let's talk about Guardiola's tactics, Sam. Um Jim, the first the first thing that uh we'd like to kind of do is go back to um I guess the start of 2019-20 that season. Um because it was it was it was a change for City in that they um obviously they'd had two titles in a row. They were going for kind of they were trying to push for that third one and it ended really spectacularly badly. Um, those problems that that were in part of that team, a lot of it. I mean, I, I was I was kind of hesitant to say this at the time because you don't want to dunk on David Silva, but a lot of it was because he's. I, I felt anyway that his his movement and his running wasn't quite at the level it was the previous year, a year older, that sort of thing. Um, so we go back to the beginning of last season. How did City start start to turn all of that around? What 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 was what was the change that they were making? Yeah, I think Silva's probably a good starting point actually because. The midfield that we had at one point, the Fernandinho, Silva, De Bruyne, that was just, I don't think we're going to get better than that. Silva just sets the tempo for everything. De Bruyne is a risk taker and Fernandinho could do it all back then. And then that season, like 1920, Fernandinho starts playing centre-back. Rodri's new. He's cloddy at this point. He's, he's not he's not looking fast. He's not looking anything like the player he is at the moment. We're playing games with Fernandinho and Otamendi as centre-backs quite a lot of matches. Adama Traore is battering us. Even United do the double out over us. And then we're trying to sort it all out. We're, we're a back three versus Leon, getting knocked out in the Champions League. Garcia in the back three. So it was a bit of a mess, really. And there was saying that we scored a number of goals in the league. Um, but really, it's it wasn't good. And there was a lot of matches, even though we scored 100 goals, there was a lot of matches where we couldn't break teams down. So something needed to change. And going into the beginning of last season, it didn't really look like much had changed. So at the start of last season, he sort of like went with a double pivot to begin with. It's it Wolves match. And he started Fernandinho and, Rod- and Rodri together. Stones and Ake started at the back. We lost a bit of control in the second half, but then came through that one. But then Leicester, he plays a double pivot. He takes Fernandinho off at 2-1. At 1-0, sorry. Obviously, we lose 5-2. Brought the lap on, not his fault, but shifting from a double pivot could possibly have been seen as a reason to, you know, to lose that match. But we then get to a situation. This is this is a really interesting match. I'm not going to go through it match by match, by the way. But we get to a situation <laughs> where uh, in the next match, Diaz has been been bought and Laporte's available for the first time in the season. And that team, if you look at that team, his midfield is Rodri, Foden, and De Bruyne. Now, if we played that midfield now, it'd just look like kamikaze. It just isn't like it there just doesn't seem to be any sort of stability within it. Even though That's you played to be fair, weren't it? Well, yeah, yeah. He wouldn't you have picked that up. No, potentially not, but then like it's all transition. If you remember back to that game. Yeah, if you remember back to that game, it's like we, we had control of it for the first twenty minutes, twenty five minutes, and then yeah. all hell broke loose and it was yeah. Like we're pretty lucky to, to get out there with a draw. Was, Mendy was terrible from what I can remember. Yeah, I, I remember so, that. I remember that game well because um, I was putting up a bed and I missed this first twenty minutes or so. And I came down and saw the second. Like from then on in, I thought, God, we've we've not had any control in this game. And then, um, yeah, the, uh, the, the the everyone was saying, No, no, you missed all that bit. And I was like, Yeah, fine. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and at this point, it's like. Foden is still being seen as potentially he'll be the successor to Silva. He'll play in midfield. And, you know, we're missing Aguero as well. 
Sam, I hope you don't get emotional when I talk about Aguero. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but he's sort of seen as the answer as well. Like, right, get Aguero fit, we'll sort it out, we'll start scoring more goals. Obviously, that never really comes to pass. Um, and then for the next few weeks, they're just like trying different different things. Like, basically, they're trying to play two eights, playing wide fullbacks and inverted wingers. And the results are mixed. They end up playing Liverpool uh, at home that one-all draw where they start shakily, but then like he played a double pivot in that. He plays Gundogan and Rodri and come through it. It's one-all. But then this is where I started the, the account. So it's after the 2-0 at Spurs. So this match was just like, it was just nineteen twenty. Yeah, all over again. It was Rodri isolated in midfield. Basically, Mourinho played six at the back. He dropped his defensive midfields into the back line. Um and like our centre backs were just exposed on the counter. Kane gave Laporte the run around, and at that point, I was just like, "We're in lockdown." Pubs have been shut for about three months, I think. By this point, I wasn't going to any matches, and I was like, "Oh, I'm just going to shout, shout, shout to the clouds, and just go on Twitter and start an account, see if anyone's <laughs> interested." And surprisingly, people did seem to be, um, and that's when you get down to like the solutions and stuff, and like the double pivot and going into the next few matches you've got like Gundogan and Rodri as this double pivot and you've still got narrow wingers wide fullbacks like Mendy and Walker and try and take it from there they go to Old Trafford it's terrible it's basically 4-2-3-1 v 4-2-3-1 nothing happens in the match everything's too narrow the, like it's just it's just rubbish really and then there's that West Brom game which is seen as like the turning point yeah. Um, oh, I was gonna, I was gonna kind of come to this because this was the era. I remember me and you, Sam, sitting down, um, and we 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 talked. I think it, I think we did the podcast um, the weekend after the West Brom game. So I don't think we've we actually reflected on that West Brom game. But I remember receiving a text from you during that game, uh, which it, the, the words were: "If the United game was shit by design, this game is just shit." Oh, and yeah. that's that's kind of where City were at, and it's like it, it seems almost unthinkable that the Chelsea game a few weeks later in January is is so close to that one, because the, the, that spell of that era of, of of kind of Guardiola trying to find out what was wrong. I mean, he said himself, didn't he? He wasn't happy with um, with the way his team were playing. He wasn't wasn't enjoying watching it. And I was like, mm. you've not been enjoying watching it like the last couple of weeks, mate. We've not enjoyed watching it all season so far. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and the one before. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the thing was the, the the thing about that West Brom game. And that period, that, that West Brom game, I do remember because Guardiola said it was after that game that he spoke, you know, he spoke to the team and he was like, right, I don't like what we're seeing. But I remember thinking at least he did actually try in that game to get people forward. I remember there wasn't a double pivot in the in the way that we'd seen it. And if there was, it was Gundogan dropping back because I think it was De Bruyne. You know, they'd gone to like wide wingers and they there was like that front five, which they've obviously been using a lot since. And... They they were pushing, but it just wasn't very good. It just wasn't fluid. But yeah. the kind of the basic shape of what they've been doing recently was kind of there. But they just they just were they just didn't play well. Um, but it's funny that they said afterwards that that, that was the turning point. Yeah, in that match, there was Sterling played wide right. I think I think Sterling yes, played wide right. Also, right. yeah, and Foden played on the left wing, but he didn't. He, he played very inverted. He played he played quite centrally because Mendy was playing, and Mendy was going. Like was basically playing as a winger for most of the time. Pretty yeah, that's what that sounds like. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's sort of like that is the solution. And Gundogan was going forward a bit more in that match. I think that's the match where the he scored. I think. 
yeah. No, I think he misses the header in the last last minute. I think it's yeah. Newcastle he scores. Oh, yeah. Um, Is that right? Yeah, because Newcastle he's, he's released a bit more. Um, and But that's the match, um, that West Brom one, where I think Rodri's average position is higher than Gabriel Jesus. And like Jesus is just so far off the front front line, like he's, he's very much a false nine. Um, but yeah, but it's like it's basically after that match. So like going into Newcastle, where it really changes because Cancelo comes into the team, and yeah. Cancelo's like, I love Cancelo. Like he's probably my favourite player because of all the stuff he does. But he's also like he's probably going to come in for quite a lot of criticism on this this podcast because of the way last <laughs> the way last season went and he ends up losing his place. Yeah, um, but that Newcastle match in the first half—that's when Cancelo plays right back, but he's playing that role where we and we start to def- we start to uh, attack in a fr- like a three-one-three-three, and he joins the, the attacking midfielders, and Ake plays that match. But uh, so it looks it looks like it should be like that because you've got three centre halves playing there, but eventually that becomes Zinchenko, and they, they play that formation. That's that's what gets them on the winning one. Yeah, let's uh, let's talk about that Chelsea game, Jim, because um, I re- I remember that the morning of that game, thinking that I I I, I can't remember what the results had been like over Christmas. They'd obviously had the the Everton game had been uh, postponed, and I kind of I I I kind of I remember thinking I'm not up for this, and I don't really I'm I'm not sure which city are going to turn up, and I'm not confident yeah. it's going to be a good one, and then. Kind of what is it? Was it twenty minutes in? They were two 0 up at that stage, and it was like, well, okay, this is this is going well. Yeah, it was, it was like trepidation though because we were missing quite a lot of players. Zinchenko plays; he's not played for for ages, so I could remember. Um, and that, like the first ten minutes, Chelsea are pretty on top. They have a penalty appeal. Um, I think they go Ste- through Stephen goal. Stefan picks up point. a back pass as well. Yeah, <laughs> Stefan picks up a back pass. Yeah, yeah. So it, it started pretty shakily, but then there's a move that like in the it's after about fifteen minutes, I think, where. Cancelo joins the midfield and he puts in De Bruyne, who's playing false nine for possibly one of the first times. Um, and from that that move, everything just clicks. And within a few minutes, they've two 0 up. Uh, Gundogan's getting forward. Foden's playing very wide left. He's playing like basically it looks like Sani. And the build up's really good because they've got this three at the back, but the left hand side of that is Zinchenko. The right hand side of that is Stones. So it looks really balanced. They're both really good on the ball. And we're able to to get the ball through midfield. We've got loads of loads of numbers in attack, and it just basically looks like yeah, we've we've cracked it. Obviously, you don't know what's going to go up, go on then, and we're going to go on this massive winning run. But I can't remember like a more positive performance and like a, a place where we weren't really in in such good good nick. Yeah, we and did. It, um, we 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 did a, a a look back over um, kind of twenty twenty one recently, and it's still at that point. It's still remarkable how far off the top of the table City were. Yeah. They, were they were still. I think they were still outside the top four before that game. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And this like this build up and the way they play with like a a three two five build up initially with Cancelo joining Rodri in the pivot, but then joining the attacking midfield. Teams just couldn't get their head around it. it, it, it the, couldn't find way, ways to defend it. And Cancelo becomes like almost a free man in attack and he's able to create. And from there, like the the Bruyne gets injured. Like he's been playing false nine, but he's also been playing midfield. And the midfield of um, Rodri, Bernardo and Gundogan emerges. And there's just so much stability within that midfield. They all keep the ball really well, but they all do all the defensive duties. 
and it's, it just looks so balanced. And then Cancelo is joining the tax, and yeah, it, they embark on this winning run, and it's yeah, it all looks great. And, and yeah, it's, I, I, it's pretty much set up exactly the same way for pretty much all the matches. And then they go to Anfield, and they have a bit of a rocky first first half where it's, it's not much happens, but Pep's is after it that the fullbacks were causing them problems. So he decides to change the press from four three three to four four two. So that the, the wingers go and sit on the fullbacks. And obviously second half they get they get well on top. Palace and makes a couple of mistakes and they've run out winners there and the title the title's done. But that change there and they they do press him like a four 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 two or a four two four occasionally before that as well. But that change goes on to be the change that they're making in the middle of games against Dortmund, I think both legs, against PSG in Paris. And it just becomes this change, which seems like work every time. Yeah. It's like if you play in a back four, just press them with four men in attack, and yeah, they can't cope, and we get on top of teams. Yeah, I was so, gonna, I was gonna say about that because the the interesting uh, tie I think that comes after this, Sam, was the uh, PSG away leg. Because at half time, City were dead and buried in that. And I remember when the team came out in the second half, he'd made no substitutions. And I was like, actually, I'd, I'd kind of, I kind of wanted someone on to get a little bit more control of this game. And he just, he, he, in the second half, they had full control of it, didn't they? Yeah, I mean, I can't remember exactly the changes he made. Um, I remember Diaz. I remember Diaz being more. Sounds strange to say because he's very kind of aggressive anyway. But I remember Diaz being more aggressive. Um, I, I really, I. I, I can't. I can't remember. I can't remember the changes. Can Can you remember them better, Jim? But it, it's that's and that's the thing. It's like to just to make a broader point because obviously I don't remember the specifics of this. I, how How often in games? Obviously not so much recently because they've been doing really well. But how often do we think, oh god, or he should make a change now? Or at half time is he going to do this? And then you can almost tweet when you're at a game. No, no changes at half time because you you know he is going to do it. Yeah. Oh, fuck's sake, do this. But but exactly, yeah, you do know he's not going to do it. But also. There are loads of different ways he can do it without bringing on a substitute as well. So we know he's not going to bring on subs anyway, but we also know there's loads of different things he can actually change, and that's that's what he does often. So it's like so much of the, you know, it, it's it's the thing I always say. Like, what right have I got really to to even sit in a press conference to say, Pep, what are you doing here? Um, yeah, that's so how it, I feel. That's how I feel on here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what I can I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine, but I mean, I mean, you you do do a great job of it, and. And that's why that's why you're on here, and that's why, like you said, when you started the account, for some reason people have liked it, but they have liked it because I think people do like to understand what's happening. And but look, I, I people who have got like UEFA like pro licenses and stuff, and they, even they say the same kind of thing. Like we were talking about the Arsenal game with a guy the other day, and he was like, "Oh, because we we talked about Edison playing at centre back in the build up, and." And he still had the same kind of answer of, oh, yeah, it's good for this. It's good for that, you know, relieving pressure. It's good to to attract a man in. So once somebody jumps, they've got more space in midfield and all this kind of stuff. And it goes, but it goes the rest. I'm sure there's loads of other examples that Pep can't even think of. And this is a guy with like a pro license, you know, so the gap from like a pro license to Pep is unbelievable. And obviously, it was <laughs> to a pro license is like, is even more. I think there's like a golfing analogy, which I won't, which I won't go into. But yeah, it, it's the same thing. Like we can, like we can only kind of pick up what, what we've got based on our experiences and our understanding. We try and do it sensibly. But like even the guys who know way more than us on like a coaching level, they, you know, they still like, well, you know, Pep's probably got loads of other reasons that they can't fathom either. So that's just the level he's on, really. And yeah, it's it's quite fun to try and unpick what he does. But the problem is when you go and ask him about it, and he just goes, "No, no, 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 no,
<laughs> what what have you been yeah what have you been watching Sam this isn't what happened here so yeah yeah um that Champions League one is is interesting because well I was going to come to this Jim because he's because there were there were effectively two teams weren't there there was a, a Premier League team and a Champions League team um so talk us talk us through the difference and why why what that Champions League team um was doing against Gladbach he plays we go to Gladbach and he plays he starts Jesus and he starts Sterling and he plays Bernardo and Jesus basically as a front two in the press. They can't get out at all. We just completely dominate and we win 2-0. It should, should probably be more. And you think, well, that, that's Bernardo and Sterling. That's what they do. Sorry, Bernardo and Jesus. They're, you know, they're really good at pressing. That's probably going to be a blueprint for the rest of the Champions League one. But as it happens, that's the, I think that's the last time they start uh, Sterling and, and uh, Jesus. I think the next time Sterling starts is the final. I don't think Jesus starts another big match for the rest of the season. Um, but basically what happens is Maris comes in on the right, Foden on the left. You've got Bernardo and De Bruyne, Gundogan, Rodri. It's basically everyone who's technically as close to perfect as you can get to. And it's just all about control. It just all becomes about like, like we've got to dominate, but we've got to dominate on the ball as well. We've got to not give the ball away cheaply. And that's that's what happens. It's like you know, this this time, this rocky times. Dortmund were decent in the first half at City, not too bad in the first half in Dortmund either. But obviously, we struggled with, in Paris for you know about thirty minutes. But in general, it works, and we get all the way to the final, and then it, it changes it slightly. Yeah. Well, um, I, I want to. I, I did. I, I mean, I didn't want to delve too much into the despair of the Champions League final again, and kind of de- open up old wounds, Jim. But I did want to kind of get into why that, what, why that game went wrong, because uh, I remember, I remember texting you, Sam, uh, in the morning of that game when that leaked team came out, and was just like, "What is he doing?" And I think, I think your words were, I don't know if you want me to quote this or not, but I think your words, <laughs> were, funny. your, your words were addressed at, "Yeah, he's fucked it." And it's like yeah, this is eight, this is this yeah. is eight hours before the game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think Chelsea as like a there's a trilogy of matches here, like which uh the FA Cup semi final. Then we play them in the league. It's the two pretty like, there's a lot of a lot of uh, reserve players in, for both teams in that, but it's still pretty interesting. And then obviously there's the Champions League final. And even going into this season, the game at Stamford Bridge, they're all like interlinked for me. And this is where I don't have the knowledge of like the nuance of a coach and stuff and everything, but I like to just look at like the numbers of stuff and two shells set up that three four three versus the way we were set up last season. I thought that was really interesting, like because the way they build up, so they build up in like a three and a two, the three centre backs, and then the two defensive midfielders, which last season was like two of Kante, Jorginho, and Kovacic. But so City are pressing them with four players who generally press with like a front three and one tucks in behind to, to look after the defensive midfielders. So they've always got just a, a one-man advantage there, Chelsea. But the way they use the wing-backs is that they pull them back in the build-up. So they pull them back and they leave them really wide. So you've then got a decision to make as, as a team. Like In the FA Cup semi-final, we play... Uh, a double pivot with Fernandinho and Rodri. And we play a back four with wide fullbacks, so Mendy and Cancelo play. And we play this front four. So the front four are pressing, but then the wing backs are, are, are dropping back. So you've got a, a decision to make, like who goes and presses them or do you just leave them? So City decided to press them with the fullbacks. 
But once you do that, you've then got three Chelsea players, the three, the three attackers who are involved in that in that build up, are then roaming around up front somewhere. City's midfielders are holding the mid, the middle ground, right? so they're the the attackers are generally behind them. Or at least two of them are behind them. So you're left with situations where you've got two v twos. If Chelsea can put a ball in behind, or if they can put a ball over the top, and that's what happens for the goal. It happens a few times in the first half, though. But for the goal, uh, I think it's Cancelo's pressing the wing back. They get the ball over the top. It's two v two. Is it Pulisic scores? I think I can't remember. Um, but that's what happens in that in that match, and it's like mm, that's a problem. Yeah, we're out of the FA Cup. Go into the league match, and we play a back three against them. So we adapt it. We play a back three. We play Cancelo and um, Mendy as wing backs, um, and we basically like leave Robbery in the middle of the park on his own. So that's that seems like a good tactic to me because that's what Chelsea almost do. They, they almost like seed the middle of the park. They say like, right, we're going to build with this. Tuchel calls it a five and a five. But really, the wing backs, yeah, they they attack in a five. They they join the join the attacks, but they also join the build up. So it can be a seven and a three, especially against the team like City. So in that game at, at the Etihad, we see the wingers. So City are playing like basically four across the top. They've got Aguero and Jesus, and then they've got Sterling and Torres wide. That they're playing quite inverted in in the when City have got the ball, but they're also once that initial press is done, they're dropping into midfield as eights. And they're also playing as eights in City's initial build-up and then joining the attacks in there. And that works pretty well. Like, we won them up at... Oh, oh, Chelsea haven't got a full team out either, but we won them up at half-time. We missed the penalty. And then the second half, they come out, they realise that Reese James can just batter Mendy and they basically just flood us down that side and they, win, they end up winning the match. But... This setup has worked relatively well. Now, you could almost imagine the eights as like Gundogan Bernardo or Gundogan De Bruyne in the yeah. Champions League final, and that sort of setup working working well. And then <laughs> there's a Palace match actually, which becomes a bit even more extreme. It's it's after that semi final. Uh, it's after that league, that Chelsea league match, I think. And he plays he plays a four like a four four two. He plays Fernandinho and Rodri as a double pivot, but in the build up. Fernandinho drops to right-sided centre-back and there's a back three there and Rodri is basically in the midfield on his own. The full-backs push right up into the front line so I've got a front six so we're basically playing a 3-1-6 which was really good to, to, to watch. It was really interesting. And he, I did think then as well like he's trying stuff here for the, for the Champions League final because he knows he doesn't need anyone in that midfield against them and he knows that he's going to need three at the back because of like the issues that we have with the ball over the top in the in the FA Cup semi final, we get to the final and he just he just basically shuffles what he usually does and from from what I can tell anyway and he he sticks Sterling in the left wing, drops Gundogan into like midfield with Bernardo almost, and obviously there's no Rodri and the rest is history. But yeah. we get done we get done by the, <laughs> the ball going out to the wing back. Walker go Walker goes into the wing back. He plays the ball over the top. It's two v two. They score. And it's just, it, it's so frustrating because to me, like there'd be so much going on here, which I, I haven't noticed. And if you, if you had City's coaches on here, they'd be like, well, it's talking nonsense. This, this is why we did this. This is why we did that. But to my untrained eye, it was so frustrating because if you beat Chelsea in that semi-final and if you beat, beat them in the Champions League, like 
they, they would have won the quadruple. And yeah. this team, like Pep City, deserves something like that. They deserve to be like, yeah, they were the best. They were the best that we've seen. Yeah. And it, it, to me, it was a, like, it looked to me like it was just this numbers problem that was that was the issue. I remember thinking in the Champions League final, Sam, um, that I, I don't know. I don't know if this is a, a common thing or if it's just if it's simply um, that City don't have to change things. City don't start badly that often. Um, but I, I, I remember thinking that it got to half time, and I think I think Chelsea scored just before half time, didn't they? I think it was one nil at half time. Um, yeah. But I remember thinking City City don't when Guardiola has started badly. The changes he makes to fix the problems don't often work. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, they like obviously it's difficult because last week they beat Arsenal, but like, like we kind of discussed, the red card was a turning point against Arsenal, wasn't it? Really, there wasn't anything major to change. So yeah, I think I think that is fair to say. There's nothing that whether it's what we were talking about before, whether it's substitutions or whether it's stuff that's more subtle. Generally, if City are down and looking and looking bad, they they don't finish strongly, do they? So yeah, I think that's that's the general point, um, and I think that seemed to be the case in the sem- in the second half. Chelsea didn't have, to be fair, Chelsea didn't have the kind of chances that they did in the first half because Werner missed a lot early, didn't he? Even at nil nil. But then it's probably Chelsea thinking, well, we don't have to do quite so much pushing. Like we're we're, we're comfortable here, yeah. um, and that, that's how I remember the game anyway. Um, and it's one of those, you know, with Guardiola. Like one day in a press conference, he might talk about it, but, but probably not. But if, if he did, it'd be fascinating. But it's one of those where you think, you know, he just love to have like, or like be a fly on a wall. We know because obviously if you ask him about like, he was quite open after United, after City beat United in November, wasn't he? He didn't want to, he said, let me be gentle or something because he didn't want to like pick United apart. But he talked about City's own approach and a lot of the things he said in that were kind of the keys to the last eighteen months. Yeah, I, I love but that. Like, like after a game, he like he, he's buzzing and he he just starts letting it out, doesn't he? he just, he can't yeah, it's help, great. He can't help yeah. himself. He just starts going. It's great. Oh, did, actually, but like you this. think, imagine him being like a fly on the wall in like a coach's meeting, or like when they go out to well, I used to eat Matt's restaurant, but like Tast as well, and they're just watching the football. You can imagine him and his coaches just being like, like really damning about like United, for example, and they really put their finger on their problem straight away. <laughs> but, uh, with the Chelsea one, because he could he could discuss it whether it's in a press conference one day, whether whether it's like with an interview with like Jorge Valdano in the summer or something, you know, maybe he'll be open about it. But in private, I'd really love to know what he was trying to do, how like how much he regrets it if he does regret it, because maybe he thinks we were still right to do it. You know, we were, we should have done this, we should have done that. Um, I, I just I just lo- I just love to know because obviously just privately, because what you get in public is is very good at the right time. But privately, you just love to. To just think, just to just to know what he was kind of thinking in those yeah. games, and that, it, it works for games where they've where they've been brilliant. But those ones where you think, what does he regret? You know what I mean, like the Leon game kind of thing, yeah. and this one. Um, I, I, I'm aware now we're talking about City's tactics when they've been shit, when they've basically been brilliant for four out of five years. But um, yeah, there is. Yeah, there's there's so much stuff that I just love to hear one day, and I mean, we, I don't we think may he never would, find out. Imagine the, he does. A, the, imagine he does another book because, like, the book he did. The book he did when he it was like in two thousand when he was still at Barca and it was just kind of like his views on the game and like those columns he did in El País which I kind of translated and put the best stuff in. It's just fascinating. I wish, 
I wish you'd do something like even if it's in like 20 years it would just be amazing like, I was, I was going to so say the, the, you may only get the answers to the Champions League questions there Sam once he's uh, well, maybe even I was going to say once he's left City but may, maybe even after he's retired you know yeah, gotta, yeah, might yeah. have to wait all those years to, uh, to but find then out. even then he might yeah exactly and probably by then it'll be a footnote because he's put hopefully for his sake, won another couple of Champions Leagues and it doesn't matter. But, you know, maybe he, he might say, oh, by the way, the worst night of my career was this Chelsea game or whatever. Like, I'm sure it wouldn't have been. I'm sure there was other things that, you know, he's had really hard defeats at, at Bayern Munich as well. Um, and I suppose unlucky ones at Barca, but yeah. What's mad is, like, we go to Chelsea this season and we completely dominate them. But it's sort of like, it's two shells. For me, it's like two shells changed, which, which like, leads to that. So Yeah, he went so defensive. He, he, yeah, but he plays instead of having those three players roaming up front, he plays a, a three five yeah. Uh, yeah, three five two, which from Lukaku's recent comments might be because he wanted to play like that, because it sounds like he wants to play with two up front. So he played for Werner and uh, and Lukaku up top. But what that did basically was it said to City's fullbacks, right, go and press the wing backs. You'll be fine, we've got one less player to worry about up up front. We'll leave the centre-backs. Robbery's now playing great. He's intercepting all sorts of stuff there. So he's just holding the middle of the park, but there's only two players behind him. And in the build-up as well, so instead of Chelsea's building with a 3-2 and having that numerical advantage, they're building with a 3-1 with two midfielders ahead of that. And it just all breaks down for them. And we completely dominate them for 60 minutes. It brings Havertz on and for one of the midfielders. Goes back to a 3-4-3. And they start. They have a couple of chances. I think Lukaku. I think Havertz has a chance himself. I think Lukaku has one disallowed. But they start to make chances against us, which to me was just it was just doing what what he'd done the previous season. So what yeah. happens next week at the yeah, end? I, I remember really interesting for those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It will be. It will be actually. That will be a difficult game. I know everyone's kind of expecting City to to stroll it a bit given the recent form, but. On the, over the 90 minutes it will be I remember I was looking out for those examples where the fullback jumps and then cities have runners in behind and there was like I think it happened twice once on the left once in on the right in the first half but I think it was just Bernardo Silva both times actually on both sides just dropped in so like when Kovacic I think Kante was on the right and Kovacic was on the left they were in the position to get the ball in behind like in the half space with the fullbacks having jumped but City just went. They had they had somebody there, and on this, I'm sure on both occasions it was Bernardo Silva. Maybe yeah, it wasn't. And they had the somebody main... just went. Okay, they, they covered it, challenged the ball, and won it, and carried on. And you just think that's the kind of thing where if that if they'd had that in the Champions League final, they wouldn't have had so many problems. Yeah, and the midfielder is able to cover a midfielder, though, and it's like instead of the midfielder yeah. being able to cover like one of the front three, he won't be able to get back there in the, like in the previous itself. So it's, it, it'll be interesting to see what he does next week too, Shulk, because I think he played back four against Spurs, but I think that was mainly to combat Conte's 3-4-3. But yeah, I, like to me, it makes perfect sense for him to go back to the 3-4-3 against us, but that might upset Lukaku. <laughs> um, let's finish, Jim. I want to get your thoughts on, on Grealish, because I know Sam has been... Um, Kind of fighting against the narrative that he's flopped at City so far this season by uh, trying to explain that, uh, you know, uh, first off, normal. yeah, show, yeah show, show a player that's done well in his first season under Guardiola as a forward player. And also, you know, here's what Guardiola wants, here's what Grealish is delivering. So uh, how, how, what, what are your thoughts on uh, on Grealish's start? Yeah, well, I looked in a, a few of the stats, actually, like in preparation for this. So last season... In terms of shot creating actions, so where they've created an, where they've created uh, an opportunity for someone to have a shot, the Bryan was top in terms of 
shot creating actions per 90 minutes in the Premier League. Grealish was second. That's exactly the same this season. Even though De Bruyne has not played that many minutes, it's De Bruyne's top, Grealish is second, which is pretty mind blowing considering the sort of things that are being written about him. Um, he's XA, so he's expected assists a pretty similar sort of level. He's, it was slightly slightly better last season, but it's pretty similar sort of level as to where it is now. So you're thinking, like, what what's the issue? Then? It's, there's there's no problem. He's doing what he was doing last season, but the big difference here is he created. 14 big chances last season, which was third in the league out of everyone. Now, this season he's created two so far, and that's joint 10th in the City team. So it's behind Walker, it's behind Cancelo, it's joint with Ruben Diaz. So there's an issue there. He's not creating the big chances. And I don't know, just looking at it to see why that's happening. To me, it's it's the lack of an overlap, overlapping fullback for him. Yeah. He's not a winger. He's he's more comfortable playing as like a creator playing as a 10 he's great at keeping possession so he's he's still making chances but he's he's pulling it back to people they're having a shot it's not it's not great chances and he's not got like so it's it's interesting to compare him to Maris when Maris was signed for City it was like he doesn't fit in he he's not like he's, he's too he's too slow he's always cutting back which to an extent I, I agreed with that at the time but so like City have kind of adapted to Maris and we kind of play with a lot more control now, so that sort of sort of suits him. And what Maris has got over Grealish is if he gets the ball and the fullbacks in front of him, standing him up, that's his game. That's like he's a winger. That's his, his his wing play. Like obviously Sterling's great if you put the ball in front of him. He's got the pace to do it. Even when you play Jesus out there, Jesus's assist against Newcastle a couple of weeks ago when he was on the left, he just knocked it by him, ran past him. Knocked it into Sterling. Sterling scores a tapping. Yeah. He can do that because he's got the pace. Grealish just hasn't got these tools, so he's so much more comfortable re- receiving the ball in central areas and turning his man. Like that's what he's great at. He turns his man. He, get, he gets fouled. When he turns his man. He, he plays a ball through. He's all. He's only assists in the Premier League this, this season. He's got two assists. One of them was on the break against Brighton. So it's just basically a counter attack, um, and he puts forward in. And one of them's on like a really rare occasion against Arsenal, where he actually goes down the outside. They're down to ten men. He's got he's got the fullback one on one. Goes down the outside, puts a crossing with his left foot, and we score. So he, the his standard move where he cuts inside the fullback and looks for someone, it just isn't producing chances that like, are big chances at the moment. So to me, we have to put him more central. It, I, I just don't see. A, a situation where it works out there. And obviously recent weeks we've seen him at false nine and you know, that may be a, a position for him, but the, the issue we've got there as well is that the midfield is so balanced with Bernardo and Gundogan that you've got De Bruyne then floating about. Yeah. The only guy who's better at all the stuff that, that Grealish does in the league is looking for that position as well. So it's, it, it'll get there. You know, he's been signed because he's, he's so good on the ball. He gives that control. He fits, he fits the, the, the city game really well. I just don't think he fits that game on the wing. Yeah, Sam. And they when... thought Bernardo was going, so he prob- <laughs> yeah. probably worth exactly, thinking he could, yeah. play, he could yeah. probably play in the middle. Well, it's, it's worth yeah. planning him. Yeah, I'm, I mean, yeah. this is this is the, this is it, Sam. I was I was going to say about um, in terms of, of, of fitting in and and kind of fitting his natural game. I remember I remember right at the start of the season, um, you were set, you. I, I think the, I think you made the point he isn't going to do for City what he was doing for Villa. Well, no, I mean they don't play on the counter attack. Yeah. 
they don't have loads of space to just run into. It's funny, actually, because, you know, that first half against Leicester on Boxing Day when Sterling was just absolutely running riot, you think. And I remember tweeting, it's not that he didn't do this a couple of years ago. I don't even think he got the opportunity to do that because teams were always trying to double up. But, you know, there was, he was more having joy in eighteen nineteen when he was kind of, he, he was able to cut inside. Um, and, but he was mainly getting the goals at the back post. Um, but in terms of like being able just to run one-on-one at a guy with loads of space behind, that rarely ever happened. And you would just wonder if Grealish had played in that game, if he would have shone in exactly the same way. Just, you know, just having that opportunity because you're yeah, having the ball wide on the left but cutting inside to the, to the effect where you're cutting inside and getting shots off, it's, it's very difficult because you just... You got you doubled up on. There's men in the spaces. You know, teams don't defend against City now the way that they did two or three seasons ago. It's, you know, they they've worked out a way to to do it and frustrate City more. Um, but then it's like talking about the the assists and where they've come from on the counter attack and going outside against Arsenal. Like his function is, as Guardiola has said, in a lot of cases, get to the corner of the box and then put it back to Cancelo, and then Cancelo is the one who can put the ball in. So it's like he is fulfilling his function. And it's like it's like I mentioned this at the time for the Brentford game, and I mentioned it on the the long waffle podcast last week about um, his game against Brentford. Now I'm not saying that if Grealish plays like he did against Brentford over three or four years, then he will have lived up to the expectation because that's not one that's not what anybody wants from him, and it's not what Guardiola wants from him. But in that specific game against Brentford, when he just needed them to keep the ball and not lose it, and not give Brentford opportunities to counter-attack, what he was doing, whether he was supposed to be doing it or not, or whether he wanted to be doing it or not, was actually exactly what they needed. Yeah. And then you think, well, there's loads of other games when he is doing stuff where we're thinking, oh, we want him to get his man and beat him and do this and do that. And Guardiola's saying, well, no, you just get to there and pass it back to Cancelo, and that's your job. Like we, I said about Foden in the derby in November. You know, how many times are we probably thinking, we'll get a Wan-Bissaka because he's not very good and you're amazing and and City are running riots, so do that. But Guardiola would be saying, just stay wide, get the ball, pass it inside to somebody else in space, and then your chances will come in another way. Like The way that Guardiola sees it and the way that we see it is obviously completely different, but we don't understand that Guardiola goes to Brentford and says, look, don't try and blitz them 3-0, just play with control. And like we're on the outside going, oh, it should, you know, 100 million players should be doing this, should be doing that. He, but he's doing the job, most likely, that Guardiola wants him to do on that specific game. But obviously, yeah, Look, by the end of next season, you'd hope he'd got more goals, more assists. He's, you know, he's looking better. He's beating more men, and I'm sure that will come. But at the moment, there is an element as well of he is doing what he's supposed to do. We're just not intelligent enough to, to spot it a lot of the time. Yeah, it's it's that control thing again. It's like it's we're not we're not Sammy and Sterling anymore. We're not we're not that team. We don't we don't play at that pace. We play at a, yeah. a lot a lot slower pace, and it's it's and really. Oh, sorry, and you mentioned Mahrez, but Mahrez is a different player now as well. Yeah, you know, in terms yeah. of doesn't fit in at City. Not City of City have adapted, and he's adapted, and they've both adapted to the same point where they suit each other, and that'll be the case with Grealish. Even if it's off the left, even if Grealish does play off the left, there'll be something. Because just to go very briefly back to you know around that West Brom game and the United game and the the darker days of last season, I was kind of looking then for articles at ways that. That you know, City would improve, but play in that way because it seemed like Guardiola had gone away from the stuff that had worked previously, and this was his best bet. So I remember doing an article saying, "Well, Bernardo Silva's playing deeper in midfield now. Sometimes as a double pivot, and like it's not really getting the best out of him, but it seems to be getting the best out of what he could possibly be because they need somebody to sit deep alongside Rodri. They need De Bruyne to be creating as a number ten. So where's Bernardo going to fit in? 
it's it's actually going to be here and you i was trying to i was trying to do loads of different things about how this is what it's like now and this is you know mentioned you know oh when aguero comes back it'll be this and whatever we were thinking in those terms because the old days of like the free-flowing football seems to have gone and guardiola was just going very kind of strict but then he's reinvented it in a way that certainly i didn't imagine at that point um and again it'll it could be another year down the line because, again, this time last year, they'd just beaten Chelsea, but we didn't know what was to come. Another year down the line, they could be playing in such a way where Sterling's wide on the right and Grealish is allowed to come in off the left and Grealish looks amazing and Sterling looks great on the right and everything works. And like I say, both things have adapted, the team and the individual, to the point yeah. where it just works. Yeah. Yeah. I think, that, sorry, this thing about control as well, I think in general, this is where the league is heading to. Like, it's, you, but when Guardiola came over it, you didn't have teams that were, were like seeding 75% of possession during a match and teams weren't used to it. They didn't know how to defend it. They didn't know. They, they just got, they just got swallowed up by it. But now teams are used to doing that. They know how to play like that. And it's like, if you look at Liverpool, so Liverpool, when, when they got 97 points, when they came second, they were this fast, fast, fast team just used to, used to have lots of possession, but not, not huge amounts like you used to see with City. And just used to dominate teams in spells and that's how they'd win games. And then the year they won the league, they had a lot more possession and they had a lot, the results were a lot closer, even though they get they get a, like a massive amount of points again. And in that summer, he signs Thiago because they've got they've been having loads of possession, but they just don't have that control in games. And it, it, we started to see it last season, but Thiago's injured a lot. But again, last season, Liverpool's season last season was pretty similar. I know they had a lot of injuries, but it's pretty similar to City's um, nineteen twenty. So they're getting they've, they're having loads of possession, but they can't break teams down. And City are the team that's come out of the pack. Well, not come out of the pack. Obviously, they're, they're always up at the top, but they're a team that has got this this way of playing, and they they know how to do it. Like they not they know that they're going to have to come back and recycle, and that's where I think it's all heading to. So you've got someone like Rangnick coming at United. And he's playing four two two two, and it's all about counter pressing. But you go, I've only watched them against Newcastle. But he goes to Newcastle. Newcastle aren't interested in having the ball because they're used to playing against teams like this. So they get the ball, they lump it up to the forward, and Rangnick's trying to counter press nothing that's there it's like, yeah. because teams yeah. teams have teams know how to play against it. So you've then got a situation where United have just got a, a really narrow team that doesn't really do much. So, but it's because all the all the other teams. Have adapted to having twenty five percent possession. So what what what, what are you so saying, Jim? Good. What are you saying, Jim? Is a nice way to finish the show is that uh, it's City's fault that United are doing badly. Well, yeah. Well, let's take some credit <laughs> for that. Let's take some credit. <laughs> Uh, yeah, there we go. Right, so that brings us to the end of this episode of Why Always Us. Uh, thank you very much to our special guest for today, Jim. Uh, Jim, where can we find you on Twitter? Um, I'm at City underscore Tactics. Uh, go and have a look at that give it a follow and uh, as yeah thanks as ever to Sam Lee yeah cheers guys enjoyed that thanks very much don't forget you can sign up to The Athletic right now with a 33% discount just use the code MANCITYPOD The Athletic <laughs>